folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and from Bleacher Report, Kalen Kaler. Um, Kalen, I am joining you on this Zoom call, like, already worked up. And it's not your fault. Um, it's the Internet's fault for not understanding me and what I'm trying to convey to them about the NFC North. So um, you, can, you can calm me down a little bit here, because I might become argumentative with myself. So it's, this is not personal. Okay. Um, gotcha. Let, let me just start by asking you this and, uh, don't, don't be concerned about like making my head explode. If you say that the answer is not the Vikings, but just on the, on the whole, if I said to you that I think the Vikings have the best outlook for the future of any team in the uh, NFC North, uh, am I a crazy person? The internet has treated me today. Like I'm a crazy person. I don't think it's crazy because you can definitely rule out two teams right off the bat, which is right. the Bears and the Lions. Um, in my opinion, you can rule those guys out because the Bears don't have a quarterback. I mean, I was going to get to this later, but it's just it's the, the craziest thing about what's going on with them right now to me is that they didn't draft a quarterback in the in any round of the draft or mm-hmm. sign an undrafted. Like, they didn't do anything they brought in Nick Foles, which I think they thought was the solution and was going to work, and um, clearly it hasn't. Um, I don't think that was a bad decision for them to bring in Nick Foles um, and trade for him. I understand why they did that. There's a lot of um, potential and upside there, but clearly it hasn't worked. And, and I just think even if you're bringing in Nick Foles, that's probably not going to be your like long, long-term answer. And you already knew Mitch wasn't going to be the answer going into this season, even if they wanted to pretend like they didn't know. They knew. So that's the thing I don't understand about where they're at right now. And it just became really alarming on Monday night when we saw Nick Foles get hurt at the end of that game. And then Trubisky is also hurt from playing one play like three weeks ago. And then Tyler Bray comes onto the field, and I'm just like, how is there not a rookie quarterback developing mm-hmm. on this roster? Um, I was talking to somebody with the Packers recently, and they always do that. They're always, you know, they'll always have an undrafted free agent quarterback working his way up. You know, Tim Boyle there, undrafted dude. Um, they have, obviously, they have Jordan Love now and, and the Rodgers Favre thing, and then they turned around a couple guys, you know, earlier in the 2000s, they turned around a couple good backups for mm-hmm. draft value. I mean, it's just a smart thing to do. And I, that's the thing that confused me the most about where the Bears are right now. So long story short, no, I don't think you're crazy because, you know, I think it's either Green Bay because if they do, if Jordan Love were, is good, I think, you know, they have a good future ahead of them. Um, and then the other two teams, I don't know. 
yeah, I don't, I don't think you could argue that they're set for the future. So, no, I don't think you're crazy. You wrote a terrific piece that all Vikings fans will appreciate. I tweeted it out, and uh, I saw a lot of other people sharing it, too, about Matt Patricia, which we will get into because on this very podcast, I think I spent, after the Lions game, seven straight minutes ranting about how <laughs> I couldn't believe how bad the Lions were. And uh, things have really fallen in the Vikings' direction these last couple of weeks, playing two teams that are at the bottom, and they're floundering around with no seeming to have a, a clue of where they're going to go in the future, as you mentioned with Chicago. Good for Tyler Bray, though. He's thrown like four passes now in his career and played in the NFL for eight years. Like right. That's good job if you can get it, I guess, for, for Tyler Bray. So uh, we totally agree on that. And the Bears, I'm really amazed by because they go the Nick Foles route where you know that Nick Foles only performs at a high level when everything is just amazing around him. And it's only happened a couple times in his career. Every time he's been in a tough spot, he's been a bottom-tier quarterback by far. Um, and so going with him as opposed to Cam Newton, as opposed to Teddy Bridgewater, as opposed to drafting someone, and now they're just looking around going, now what? And, and if Allen Robinson leaves in free agency, what do you have? You have no offensive linemen to work with. You have no weapons to work with. And it seems like you have an offensive scheme that is even limiting the talent that you do have in Chicago. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Monday's game, everybody was excited to see what the Bears would do on offense because Nagy gave up play calling for the first time um, in his head coaching career in Chicago, which people thought, oh, maybe this is going to help. And I actually think now that we know how that worked out and it was just as bad, if not worse, um, I think it actually was a really smart decision for him um, from a selfish, like, save my own ass perspective. Because <laughs> he, I mean, by giving play calling to um, his offensive coordinator, his play calling was not necessarily what was dooming this offense. Someone else's is just as bad. And by doing that, he can subtly blame Ryan Pace, the general manager. At least that's how I read into the situation yes. because it's very clear, like, their offensive line is really struggling they don't have talent on offense. Um, they've had so many picks that have just not really panned out for them. Um, and the fact that the only touchdown they can score is a special team's kickoff return touchdown, it's just, I mean, so I do think he did a good job of giving up the play calling to kind of throw up his hands in a way and be like, you know, what what can we do to fix this? Like, this is a roster problem at this point. So I thought that was actually smart, and that was kind of my takeaway from watching Monday. I was like, oh, interesting. Like, this might have been a smart decision for him. And I also think with Foles being hurt, although it doesn't seem like it's super serious, I haven't seen the latest update on that, but I think it was the hit pointer, which was not as serious as they thought it was going to be. I don't know how much time he's going to miss, but I think that might also help. I don't know where Nagy's job is going this year. It's hard to predict that. Um, but if they keep losing and Foles is hurt, I think that could also help to make an argument of he needs another chance. But I think the biggest question there is, should they even get a chance? Should Ryan Pace get a chance to pick the franchise quarterback for the Bears? Because he screwed it up the first time. Does he earn a second chance? And this is a team that has literally like never had a franchise quarterback. <laughs> Been looking for this player for decades. So, yeah, I think that's something that the McCaskies are really going to have to meditate on over the next few weeks. I love your read on it because one of the things that maybe people on the outside don't always realize is the games that get played for self-preservation. We all think, well, why didn't they just do this? Or why did they make that move? That was kind of weird. It's like pull back the curtain a little bit and think about, you know, what uh, you're trying to present to ownership, whose fault you're trying to make this. And even with the Vikings, they went from the beginning of the year, oh, you negative media think we're going to struggle this year. Then they're one in five. Well, it's really about the future, guys. It's really about making progress and now they're four and five actually we're back in the playoff race because we've done such a great job of coaching like wait which one is it you guys got to pick one um but i think that if you're talking about getting the bears back into contention i see no path I don't know how you get there. I mean, even if you draft a quarterback in the coming up draft where there's a lot of good quarterbacks, you're not drafting 
the best one or the second best one or the third best one, because those are going to go in the top three or four. So are you getting, you know, Mac Jones or something? And then you're going to try to rebuild around the fifth best quarterback. And there's so many things you have to do to put them in a good situation. I think we see the quarterbacks who succeed right away. They also have a great situation like Tua with Miami. He couldn't ask for much better to drop into, but I mean, this looks like a several year project. And at the same time, the defense already should showing a little bit of signs of losing its uh, mojo a little bit. So by the time you're building back the offense, the defense isn't good again. And it just seems like this is a very long-term project for the bears. Absolutely. Um, I don't, I haven't thought that far ahead, but you're right. Like it's, I don't really see how they fix this just next year. And that's Mm -hmm. the problem is because the defense is good right now and has been good for the last two years. This is like their third year being a really good and strong defense. And that's just not going to be sustainable for even maybe like two more seasons. I don't see that working out. And even like after the game, I was listening to Eddie Jackson's um, availability. He's Chicago safety. And he was not, his words were not mean or like rude. He was not throwing anyone under the bus, but he said a couple times, like, you know, we know as a defense, we're going to do our job. And he, he said all the, he just reinforced a lot. Like I think at one point he had said, like, we know if we don't let the opponent score, we will win. So that's sort of the mentality that the Spears defense has is like, well, if we just don't let the other team score, it's fine. We don't even have to score points. We'll we'll just win because the other team won't score because they don't have any faith in that offense right now. And then he mentioned another time, I don't have this exact quote in front of me, but he said something like, you know, players need to be more accountable. Like coaches aren't always going to call the best play. Like he said something along those lines. And I was like, interesting. Okay. So, and I do think that's another reason why Nagy – gave up the play calling. I mean, he had to, if he was going to be a self-aware human being. So, you know, if he was going to hold on to that for any more weeks, he already held on to it for too long, in my opinion. But at some point you're, you will lose the locker room if you don't admit my play calling isn't working. And I don't think it's really hard to tell this year without being able to go into the locker room. Cause I would usually go into Chicago, like at least once a week, maybe mm-hmm. twice a week if I was not traveling and I don't do that. Obviously, nobody's doing that anymore. And so it's really hard to get a sense of if, you know, what the players are feeling and thinking because we're not in there. So it's really hard to, you know, get the sense of, like, is the defense, like, ready to murder everyone on offense? Or, like, are they okay? Like, I, I have no idea. And that's something that I'm really curious about. And, like, from a head coach, from a Matt Nagy perspective, like, you know, that's his job to make sure that everybody is still has, you know, morale, even though this is their second year in a row with a four-game losing streak. So, I don't know. Like, I think the Vikings are doing the reverse Bears right now. Like, mm-hmm. every game the Bears lose, the Vikings win. And I do think, like, at the end of the season, it's going to be Packers, then Vikings, and then, I don't know, toss-up between Bears-Lions. Like, I could see the Lions. Lions have, like, a soft schedule for the next couple of weeks, so I could see them – Maybe winning a couple more. It's going to be interesting. But I definitely think the Vikings will be like that second team in the NFC North. And I'll get your opinion on a few Vikings things because you had a chance to see them up close. Let me say first that uh, what you do in terms of being a feature writer and a columnist is great, but you have the instincts of a beat reporter of like reading between the lines. And it's one of my favorite parts of the job is to try and figure out what are people really saying by what they're um, talking to us about. And anytime I get, oh, those press conferences are just cliches, like you would be surprised. And what you're saying actually sounds a lot like things that I I heard Minnesota in 2016 about the defense, like, well, we're just trying to do our job. And there was a little bit in the beginning of the year when the Vikings are struggling of the offense saying, well, we're not getting very many plays because we're not on the field enough. You're like, oh, well, whose fault would that be? Who are you uh, pointing it to? Um, But in in terms of like the Vikings, 
um, ascending throughout this season. The way I look at it is they'll probably come just short of the playoffs because of the hole they put themselves into. Mm -hmm. But what we've seen come about over the last few weeks, and especially with Justin Jefferson, to me is the turning point of how good could you be in the future? If Justin Jefferson was Laquan Treadwell, I would look at this and go, oh, I don't know. I don't know, right? Right? But you saw him up close uh, in Chicago the other day. My gosh. I mean, he has just been a dream for them. And now you're looking at it saying you have a setup for whether it's Kirk Cousins or whether you trade Kirk Cousins and draft somebody else that has multiple young offensive linemen, that has multiple young weapons, and maybe one of the best wide receivers in the NFL to work with, I look at that as being one of the better situations going forward in the NFL, especially with knowing that Zimmer can just scheme his defense to be good, even if they have some talent issues on certain positions. Yeah, I totally agree. And I was going to mention, like, they had a, I think Minnesota had a really good off season, uh, even though, you know, they had to clear a bunch of those um, defensive veterans uh, off the team and kind of like start, I don't know if it, you would say it was rebuilding, but like in a sense, it was kind of like turning a lot of guys over, bringing a lot of young guys, a lot of rookies. Um, I thought they had a really good off season and it's interesting to trade um, the Stefan Diggs trade. Now that we're at the midway point of the season, we can kind of evaluate that a little bit better And, I mean, that's like a one trade that it looks like both teams have really benefited from that equally almost Um, because, you know, Josh Allen finally has a number one receiver and Stephon Diggs is doing great over there. And, you know, the Vikings were able to use that pick on Justin Jefferson, who is going to be a great talent and already is. I mean, I think he's got already four games with over 100 yards receiving this season, which I think is – about maybe that was the expectations for him but um you know as a rookie you never know so I think he's performing really well so that's a trade that I think is great and it just worked out for both parties so yeah I agree with you and I think right now they have a 30 percent Vikings have a 30.4 percent chance to make the playoffs I read that in the athletic um according to their calculations which that's pretty good actually that's like that's really good so I don't know. They got the Cowboys next, right? Like, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, I don't know. I think that I think that's a winnable game. Already, you guys already beat Vikings. Already beat the Packers once, um, which means it'll probably be harder to beat them a second time. But you know, I don't know. I do think I do think this division. I think the NFC has a lot of teams that have issues. It's not as strong as the – I think we thought the NFC was a lot stronger than the AFC, and then, like, as the season has gone, we've seen, like, oh, the Packers have a big issue on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think there's a lot – when it comes to, like, the two wild card spots, there's just a lot of teams that have problems. Um, so it'll be interesting. But I, I definitely think – I think there's potential for the Vikings this year. So – and I do too. I just have covered them long enough to see them <laughs> losing to Dallas or something, right? right. Like, like th- this is it's very classic. I 100% agree with your point about the NFC, where I would say, like, are the Vikings worse than the Cardinals? Probably not. They put themselves in a big hole by botching some things, some close games, and then a no-show against Atlanta. But as a whole team, the talent mm-hmm. and even some of the numbers, like yards per play, the Vikings are number one in the entire NFL. So you go, I mean, are you that much worse than a team that is six and three and has troubles? And all you need is one of them to kind of slip back, whether it's the Cardinals or the Rams or the Seahawks who are kind of sliding now. Um, I still have a tough time seeing it because I think that there's like a – like the the seas have parted between the good and the bad and the Vikings are kind of there floating in the middle uh, mm-hmm. and, and they might just have too tough of a hole to dig themselves out of. But that's like the short-term perspective. The long-term perspective is you either go with Kirk Cousins forward and he's good enough to be in the Jimmy G, Jared Goff can get you there when everything's perfect. And you're also almost getting everything to be perfect around him. And, and that's that's where the, the forward outlook, uh, um, I, I think, is good for them. They made mistakes in the offseason um, at times. The Yannick Ngakwe trade would be the most obvious. Mm-hmm. But also, 
had a bunch of draft picks to use and hitting on the top draft picks. And this is where I want to talk about the Packers and some of the differences there and why I do think the Vikings have a better outlook is because the Packers' first two draft picks last year, one is a quarterback they may never use. The other one is a running back that won't ever matter. And the Vikings' top draft picks are a star-wide receiver instantly, an offensive lineman who's already been very, very good to start his career, and then a corner we'll see. Um, that to me is way more valuable in terms of stacking up your roster around Cousins. So we get to the same point where it's like Aaron Rodgers needs to drag the franchise. How long can Aaron Rodgers drag the franchise? That's why I look at it and say, is it a year? Is it two years? Do they trade him? And, and, I, and that's really the deciding factor of would the Vikings be better long term? Yeah, I mean, I think Kirk gets a lot of crap. And I don't think he necessarily deserves it at all times. Um, I think Kirk, like, I think if I were the Vikings, I would not draft another court. Like, I would roll with Kirk. I think I think he can do it. Um, I don't know. I think because I think a lot of times, like, a lot of the interceptions that he throws are not necessarily his fault in many of the situations, yet he seems to get, I mean, a lot of, you can say this about a lot of quarterbacks. They they tend to get the blame for those. Um, but I feel like with Kirk, it's even more so. And, like, <laughs> now that he finally won his first Monday night game, it's like, all right, like, we got some momentum. Let's go. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I would I would roll with Kirk um, and just keep building around him as they're doing. Um, and I think that's the key with him is, like, you give him some good receivers. I mean, Thielen's still great. Jefferson is going to be, become that guy. Um, yeah, and I think with Jordan Love, like, I do think the Bears, if he would have made it into the second round, I think, I don't know if they would have drafted him, but I think they would have thought about it long and hard because I know that there were a lot of people within Chicago who really liked Jordan Love, which is interesting because it's like, okay, does that mean he's actually really good or does that mean he's the wrong choice because they made the wrong choice earlier? So I thought about that a little bit. I'm like, I'm really interested to see what happens to Jordan Love because he could either be the absolutely correct choice or he could be like a total strikeout, Um, which I guess is the same with any quarterback draft pick. But I am really curious about him. Um, And I think, I mean, I liked that pick. I, I don't know. I liked it. I think like, I think it does set him up for the future because I do think Rodgers is going to be that quarterback who has to end his career somewhere else. Like, I think he is going to get pushed out at some point and he's going to be like a Brady and he's not going to be ready to retire. And he's going to be like, nah, Brady played until he was 44, you know, or however long Brady keeps playing for. I think Rodgers is going to be that exact same type of quarterback where he's either just going to get tired of Green Bay, which I'm surprised he isn't yet. But Right, um, right. Like, I think Matt LaFleur really helped. Like, if they hadn't fired McCarthy, I think he would have tried to get out of there uh, sooner than now. But I do think he's going to be the type of quarterback that at the end of his career, he's not going to finish it in Green Bay. He's going to be somewhere else um, because he just wants to keep going and um, thinks he can. And I I think he can, too. So I do think I I loved the Jordan Jordan Love draft pick. I loved it want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. There are many great designs. Someone on Twitter recently sent their John Randall shirt, and there's the Can't Stop the Thielen hats, the Tecmo Bowl throwback shirt, and much more. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K dot com. Soda Stick, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Uh, I loved the idea of drafting a quarterback in the first round when your former MVP looked like he was fading statistically. Now he's bounced back statistically this year, uh, and he's been really good. And I don't know how much of that is a – uh, small sample size or if they change something with their offense or whatever. The last time I saw him, he was trying to throw in 50 mile an hour wins and it wasn't going super good. Um, but, and, and even, I don't know, the, the Packers just have um, 
a lot of weaknesses that he seems to be able to make up for and that even honestly Aaron Jones has been able to make up for mm-hmm. like not having an effective number two or number three receiver and trying to throw to tight ends all the time when you're not targeting Devonte Adams all the time has been mitigated a little bit by being able to throw even downfield if you want to Aaron Jones because he's just fantastic and that's mm-hmm. it sort of all goes back to the what about the future because if you're right and they still move on from Aaron Rodgers even if he's great if they're doing the last dance thing and they're saying well okay we're going to get the most out of him and maybe we go 11 and 5 and get to the championship game and lose now we're going to turn it over to our first rounder you don't know how good Jordan Love will be even if he is talented and what you're giving him like he's got a great left tackle but the rest of the offensive line eh? uh you you have Aaron Jones who probably is going to go somewhere else or be very expensive you have still your one receiver, but he's very expensive and he's, he's in his prime. So he'll be good for you. But beyond that, what can you give your first round quarterback and how much can you ask him to overcome it? And by the way, on the defensive side, your defensive coordinator seems to be clueless and you have a great corner. And then what? I mean, I think Zadarius Smith is still good, but there's a lot of holes there to fill. And I think that if it's not Aaron Rodgers to go forward with, that's going to be a lot tougher than Kirk Cousins Mm -hmm. with all the things that he has plus Zimmer's scheme. Yeah, that's a good point. They have a lot of holes on defense that it's going to take a while to sort of make that unit stronger. It was really interesting that they didn't draft a receiver like in any of the rounds of that draft. And I was talking to somebody there about that um, this season because they, I feel like they were kind of like, ha ha jokes on everybody else. Like we didn't even need to draft a receiver. Like we're fine over here. Um, And I was asking them, like, why they didn't. And the reason was just essentially, like, you know, everybody talks about their draft board and, like, the value. And I guess the receivers that they really, really liked were all gone by the point that they were picking in the first round, which is crazy to me because there were still – that receiver class is so deep. Right. Um, That sounds like a weak excuse. I know. And that's kind of what they said is, like, well, you know, none of them were, like, worth the – you know, where they were at that point in the draft, according to their board. And then, you know, we saw in before the trade deadline, all the reports coming out of there that they couldn't agree on the value of Will Fuller, which is like just another right. really, it, I mean, that was just kind of funny to me because it's like, I mean, they clearly think they're fine. Like they, I mean, if they really felt like they needed a receiver and if Aaron was begging them for a receiver, you would hope that they would just agree to get Will Fuller at whatever the cost Mm -hmm. the Texans were asking was. Um, So I don't know. That was a really interesting sort of like trade um, that never actually ended up happening. But I think it just proves how either how little they value a receiver or how they think that their offense is really fine without one at this point. Which is really bizarre because when Rodgers is at his best, he usually had multiple very good receivers. And uh, when you look at what they have now, it's just such a massive drop-off from one guy that is asked to drag everybody else. I don't really get the excuses because you drafted a running back in the second round when you already have not one, but two good running yeah. backs on your team. Right. And, that, and also you can find them in the fourth round, the fifth round, wherever you want. Running backs are usually available, um, especially when the defense is putting most of its focus on stopping your Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, I think we've seen that as a trend. Who was the guy? James Starks would probably attest to that you can find running backs around and then Aaron Rodgers will help you be better. Um, So that I didn't get. Also, Aaron Rodgers should be hired immediately as an advanced scout after his career because he was obsessed with Justin Jefferson and wanted him. And to me, this is if I'm running the Packers and your quarterback says, you know, what's really great is that Justin Jefferson. Can we like trade up and get him? Uh, I'm not saying – Nah. I mean, you only have so many more shots. And if Jordan Love doesn't work out, you don't have shots for a long time. We've seen how (laughs) Mitch Trubisky can set back a franchise if you go bust on that. So why they didn't push the chips into the middle of the table. And now they're just kind of hanging out in the middle, hoping that Aaron drags them to success. And, And that uncertainty would have me say that I'd rather be the Vikings. Now, if you tell me next year that Rodgers is there playing at a Hall of Fame level again, of course you'd rather be the Packers. But if we're playing the odds, to me, it's it's not weighted super heavily toward the Vikings, but it's like a 60-40, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, and I think this year the Packers are benefiting, obviously, from a weaker NFC North um, where as it's, you know, as we've progressed, like they're the only team that's clearly at a, at a different level than mm-hmm. the other three teams. So, um, and even when the Bears were five and one, it was very clear that they were not going to be able to like sustain that level. They were just like the biggest, you know, the worst five and one team or just a bunch of posers <laughs> at that record. So I think it was really clear from the start of this season that like the Packers were a step ahead of everybody else. Um, so I think they're definitely benefiting from that um, this year. And, you know, if they were in another division, it may not be as, um, you know, it might not work as well for them. Uh, let's talk about the Lions for a minute, because when you published your piece right after I went insane on this podcast <laughs> about the Lions, I wanted to like run outside with it and be like, see, I am not a crazy person. Like this, someone else wrote this, not me. Um, I watched the tape back and I was just like, this is nuts. This is, they're playing the same defense that they played against the Vikings when they put up 40 points against them last year and you changed nothing. And um, now their situation is made worse because Matt Stafford is old and even if he plays well, it's another injury for him with the thumb here and, and he's very expensive next year. I think he's the seventh most expensive quarterback in the league. And then you have a defense where they spend a bunch of money and still couldn't be better. I don't think, um, and if you want to share some fun Patricia anecdotes from your story, please do. But I don't think it's as simple as just firing Patricia. Um, and then all of a sudden they bounce back because their quarterback situation is kind of complicated too. Yeah, it definitely is. I really like Matt Stafford, but... I do think the best thing for him and for the Lions would be for them to trade him somewhere else. I think he needs to just, like, start over. Um, I feel bad for him because, like, on Sunday, um, you know, I think he finally thought he was going to be able to relax. And (laughs) And then he has to go out and, like, try to win the game with 16 seconds left. And, I mean, and that became the storyline of that game was – oh, how amazing Matt Stafford is that he could, you know, lead them and, and Matt Prater, the Matts, except for Matt Patricia. Um, so that became the storyline of like, oh my gosh, this game saving field goal and this like amazing, you know, I don't know if it was like three, two or three completions to set up that field goal. But the, that shouldn't be the story of that game. The story of that game is that they gave up 21 unanswered points to Alex Smith, who is playing on one leg. No offense to Alex Smith, because he looked great, but, like, you guys, what? I mean, they have, like, <laughs> they have, I think they have now, like, the league's worst defense, and um, in expected points allowed, they are dead last. So, um, it's just, like, I had to put that game on, I had to find a Reddit stream of that game so I could watch the whole thing because, like, I wasn't seeing enough on Red Zone. I was like, <laughs> once they were up 24 to 3, I was like, no, I have to put this. I got to get the actual stream up because I didn't have it on my um, cable here. I only had uh, whoever was playing locally. Um, so I had to get it up on my Reddit stream because I'm like, I just have a feeling that this is not going to last and something's going to happen here. And I wanted to see what Alex Smith is going to do. Um, so I, I put it up on, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it was just more of the same. It's more of the same every single week. They've given up, even though they ended up winning that game, I still count that as blowing a double digit oh, lead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they had a 21 point lead. And that was actually their biggest of their double digit leads this season that they have blown, but it was their fourth one <laughs> this season. So, it's wild. And, like, I was talking to a Vikings coach who was like, yeah, I mean, you know, he runs basically that New England scheme defense, and it's just like there's nobody scary that you have to game plan against mm-hmm. when you're playing them. There's not, like, a Khalil Mack or, um, you know, there's nobody who you're like, oh, this guy's going to wreck our offensive plan right. this week. So that's an issue, and I think, like, I mean, Brian Flores has done this in Miami where he's brought in some expatriates players, Um guys who have that experience in that system and obviously that's something that even coaches that aren't from the Patriot way do that's just you know something that coaches do is bring in guys who you're familiar with and who you trust and you think are good players 
And they did that. The Lions did that this offseason with three guys on defense. Um, and it's just none of them are really threatening in any way. Like, they're just kind of all past their prime, I think. It was Jerron Harmon, um, Danny Shelton, Trey Flowers, um, Jamie Collins. Those are the guys on, on former New England guys on their defense. And, like, none of them are, I don't know, they're just all, like, not very scary, as that coach said. And it's, as you mentioned earlier, it's really predictable. They play a ton of man coverage. And when I was reporting the story, um, that was one of the complaints of, like, former Lions players that I talked to was, like, the de- the defensive guys that first year were, like, oh, my gosh. The offenses know exactly what we're going to be doing on right, every right. snap. Like, you know, and that was a huge complaint for a lot of those guys. And um, Glover Quinn told me that he would take those complaints to Patricia that year and voice them to make sure he heard them, but, like, nothing would really change. Um, and then another player who I talked to, I had asked him, like, hey, you know, what did you think of that? Like, was that something you would ever consider, like, bringing up to a coach and saying, like, look, we're we're the ones who are out there playing, and we don't think it's working. And he was like, no, I never considered even, like, like broaching that topic because he's like, coaches are going to call what they want to call, and they all have their own ideas of, like, things that work and things that don't. And he referenced another team he had played for that – they did. They had played like the same coverage ten snaps in a row, and that was just like <laughs> what they did. So it's not exclusively Matt Patricia right. here, but you know this player was like, I wouldn't bring it up because I mean he's not going to change it because we don't think it's working. Like this is his team. He's going to do do the things the way he wants to do it. Um, so it's really fascinating everything that's happening there. And I'm not going to say with finality that it cannot work um, because. You know, I could see them winning two in a row now, or they won last week, so I could see them winning their next two games. Um, I think they have Texans and – is it Panthers? No. Uh, no, Panthers is Vikings in two weeks. Uh, the Vikings play the Panthers in two weeks. Okay. So they probably play them along the way somewhere. I'll look it yeah. up. Yeah, they have Texans next, I think, and then – I don't know. They just have a winnable – they have a couple oh, winnable – Oh, they have Panthers this week and then Texans, and then okay. Bears, so they could win their next three. Right. They could feasibly win the next three. So I can see that happening. I don't think it will happen because they're definitely going to lose at least one of those, um, considering they could hardly put away the Washington football team. So I don't see I don't see this going into next year, going into 2021 with Matt Patricia. Um, so I don't think it will work. But I do think this year, what I learned from my reporting was, like, there was a ton, a ton, a ton of, like, resistance among players that first year because he came in just wanting to like change everything and he acted like this is coming from the players he acted like they were all bad and like they weren't a good football team they had a long way to go was something he kept repeating over and over again right when they were nine and seven the year before right and so that rubbed a lot of guys wrong the wrong way because they were like who is this dude just like coming in here like acting like he's better than us and like acting like he knows everything and like that everything we were doing before was wrong. And, and his style was also a lot different. So like they had to condition they had, which they didn't have to do. Most NFL teams will not have their players conditioning after practice, which right. I mean like running sprints and running Hills, things like that. Um, you know, they, their bodies, they had to work a lot harder during the week. So a lot of guys felt like when it comes to Sunday, they just were tired and like they weren't at their best physical condition to play an NFL game. And then he had a lot of like nitpicky rules, like no music in the locker room, um, no jewelry on the field, things like that. He has, he does now allow music in the locker room. So that is something like he's listened to the players on and like made a little bit of a change. Maybe you should have listened to them about defense. Right. Instead of music in the locker room. Right. So, like, there was kind of, like, mass rebellion that first year. And then you see what you see with a lot of coaches where they want to get rid of the guys who aren't on board. And that's why I don't know why it's not working this year. And I'm confused because in his third year now, he has kind of shipped – he's shipped off anybody who was a loud um, person who did not follow his vibes. So, like, Glover Quinn was released after that first year. Um, Darius Slay was traded last offseason. Quandry Diggs was traded midseason at the trade deadline last year. Um, Golden Tate was gone that first year. Like, in the last three three years, he has 
gotten rid of all these people, all these players who weren't down for his system. So now, and this is what I heard from current players, and one player who was there up until September, August or September, he told me, I really felt like we were going to have a breakthrough this year. I thought we were going to be good, like, because everybody was on board. There were no sort of, like, voices in opposition anymore. They were used to the conditioning. They're used to the longer practices. They're used to the longer meetings. They're used to all the ways that Patricia does things. So this player was like, yeah, I really thought we were going to be good. I don't understand, like, why it's not working. And the two players I talked to currently on the roster, Taylor Decker and Matt Prater, said the same thing. They were like, everyone's on board. We're all like rowing in the same direction. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to understand because like players said, Patricia's so smart with his X's and O's. That's something I heard from everybody. Like when they had meetings with him, they were like, I agree with that. Like that's yes. Like I'm learning something new. That's really interesting. Like I put his football knowledge up against anybody. I kept hearing that over and over. So if everyone's on board and you're a smart football coach, what's the problem? That's what I'm having a hard time understanding right now. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer you're going to find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I think part of it is all the players you named were good. And if if you have good players that want to be away from you, that's a you problem. That's not a them problem. Like, you you can't just... It isn't college where you just have some other five-star recruit coming to whatever, you know, LSU or something, and you say, well, you don't want to be here. Like, well, actually, sir, it's pretty hard to get a great safety, and you can't just run him out of town. Your number three receiver being Golden Tate when he's very good at football is good for you, and you need to work with that player. Darius Slay is a shutdown corner, but you're leaving him out there in man coverage all the time when they know he's in man coverage, and all of a sudden his PFF grades are tanked and his numbers are tanking and he's looking bad. I'm sure that was frustrating to him. And if you're not listening to him and what he needs to succeed, getting rid of him is not the answer. I mean, this is – and the other thing too is I just have a tough time. I think that there are like culture warrior coaches who are just like, I do all this stuff for the culture. Like what players really want you to do is draw up the dang plays. And like they they don't care about that stuff. These are the guys who already dedicate their entire life to this. And if you're a proven veteran, you don't need anybody to make you run after practice because you did that in the off season to be ready to play. Like you, you don't, you just need them to scheme properly. And 
I thought when you mentioned that about the X's and O's versus scheme of John D. Filippo, where I talked to John D. Filippo a bunch of times myself, and I was like, man, this guy knows every scheme that's ever happened. This dude knows all sorts of football. But when it came to scheming for the other team, that's where it was a lot different. So I think that those are like two different skills yeah. of being able to scheme versus knowing how football works. And yeah. um, what what's weird, though, to me, is that Belichick's whole deal is like, how can I adjust what I do to take away your best players? When they played the Vikings in 2018, they doubled Thielen and Diggs on third downs. They're like, let's see uh, Laquan Treadwell beat us, pal. And guess what? He didn't. And he also knew exactly what would throw off Kirk Cousins on third downs. He had everyone walking around before the snap. You've seen Flores do this. And so Cousins was like a little confused, and, and it all just fell apart. I don't see the Lions do anything like that. They're just like, oh, we'll play single high safety against a quarterback who shreds single high safety and go to town. So it'll be really interesting because if you're a Vikings fan, you are semi-rooting for their little run. Like, you're semi-going, yeah, win just enough so Matt Patricia can argue to keep his job for next year because you're going nowhere with that guy. Right. I I just really think ownership – Issue, Lions ownership, the Fords, um, first of all, they have a different one. Uh, Martha Ford's daughter, Sheila, is like now the controlling owner making the decisions. So this is her first season. She just took over that this offseason. So it's going to be really interesting to see what she does because I, there really isn't a point to like firing him during the season, I don't think, because mm-hmm. I'm not sure that there there's anyone there who we were thinking like interim head coach potential, like let's see how he does. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't know if there's really that coach on that staff right now. So it's going to be interesting to see what she does in her first sort of major decision. Um, But they did issue a playoff mandate last December Mm -hmm. when they said Quinn and Patricia would get one more year. Um, They said, we need to be playing meaningful games in December. That was the quote. And I don't I don't, don't see that happening this year. So if they're going to stick to their guns on that, they are going to have to get rid of him. And I think I don't see a situation where Bob Quinn outlasts Patricia either because Bob Quinn has never worked anywhere except for New England. Um, I think he was like a grad assistant at University of Connecticut and then went to the Patriots and like that's it and then mm-hmm. went to the Lions. So like the only way that he knows is the Patriot way. Um and I just think if his draft picks haven't been very good. Um, you know, they picked a corner with the third overall pick this year. And not Tua, who could have been set up to take over. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a weird choice. I didn't that I did not like that draft pick and it's too early to say if he's a bust, but he hasn't played very well yet this season. So um I think they're both gone, and I think they're inextricably tied to each other. So I don't think you can get rid of Patricia and then think Bob Quinn is going to hire someone who's not going to do the exact same thing. Um, and that's and that's interesting. That's the interesting part is like the Patriot way is kind of this like nebulous concept, but mm-hmm. it's very much a real thing of these coaches who come out of there, like Josh McDaniels, and that was re- one of the most interesting things of this story. I asked Matt Prater, I was like. Matt Prater played in Denver with Josh McDaniels right, right. before he was in, in Detroit. And I was like, hey, you know, do you see any similarities between the way Matt Patricia started his career in Detroit versus the way Josh, Josh McDaniels ran his team in Denver? And if we'll all remember, Josh McDaniels didn't even last two seasons in Denver right. because he sort of built a reputation of trading away good players. And um, which sounds familiar, and then also kind of installing this, like, micromanaging, like, paranoia culture um, <laughs> that didn't really mesh with anybody, uh, which came straight from New England. So I asked Matt Prater, you know, did you see any similarities? He was like, oh, yeah, like, lots of similarities, like, the way that they game plan during the week, which, you know, that could be good or bad, but he was like, the way they game plan during the week, the way they run their practices, like, he kind of just pointed to, like, yeah, it's like the same thing, essentially, which I thought, I don't think he realized what he was saying when he right. said that, but I was like, ah, right alert. <laughs> right, right. Comparing him to the guy got fired, right. Yeah, so I do think there is like a, a trend of coaches coming from Belichick being unable to like do their own thing. I think Brian Flores has figured out a good balance of what he's doing there, and I think Joe Judge, too early to tell, too mm. early to tell, but I think he has also figured out 
his own way as well, while mm-hmm. taking some of the stuff that is polarizing, polarizing from New England, like running laps, which he like got heavily criticized for during training camp. But it seems like his team likes him from all the reports that I see right. from New York. So the Patriot we think Except really, for his offensive line coach, that seems to be an issue. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not using this the video portion, but you doing the red alert thing needs to be a gif. I think <laughs> <laughs> like just any any time we see some coach having some major problems, here's you go red alert, red yeah. alert, red alert. Belichick, Belichick tree alert, Belichick tree alert. Yeah, um, yeah. I, so I remember listening to Joe Thomas talk about this when I think Mangini was it uh, coached the Browns, and he said that he would have players like memorize little sayings around the facility and then have to stand up in meetings and recite them back. And you're just like, I'm a left tackle, man. Like, what are you doing? Why yeah. is this? This is a waste of time. You're yeah. wasting lots of time with this. And, you know, Belichick is the best at scheming individual games and also had Tom Brady. And so if you have, like, well, whoever it was, Kyle Orton or something as Josh McDaniels, good luck trying this. And even with uh, Matt Stafford, like, he's not Tom Brady. He's not he's not going to have that leadership element, but also just not as good and not going to paint mm-hmm. over any problems that you have. Um, so there's just there's some huge differences there. Um, this has been super fun to do the deepest dive that we could do on the NFC North. Uh, I want you to tell me how you think it finishes this year, because it's such a wonky situation with the Bears and the Lions. Like, what's what's your order? I know you kind of hinted at you think the Vikings finish second. Packers, Vikings. And then I guess I'll go nice. – I'm going to go, I'm gonna go Bears and then Lions. I'm going to go Bears because I think mm. Mitch Trubisky is going to be back for their next game. They're on the bye this week. I think Mitch is going to be back, and he's going to be the starting quarterback. And I think the offense will be slightly better because – Because he can run and move. Exactly. Nick Foles, and Nick Foles running Monday, was bad. Right. On Monday, I was like, I think I actually miss Mitch Trubisky. Like, what's going on? Like, and I do think, like, when the offense is this bad and the offensive line is that bad, having a quarterback that can run and create his own offense will help. Um, I don't think they're going to be good still, but I do. I see Mitch coming back and maybe winning a couple games. Um We'll see. Yeah, but possibly. the funny thing is about the Bears' schedule is they've, they haven't played hardly any division games yet. Like, mm-hmm. they still have to play the Packers, uh, yeah, like twice, I believe. Um, so it's not easy coming up for them. I always think about the funniest, like, possible outcome. And the funniest for the Bears is that Trubisky comes back and gets hot. And then yeah. all of a sudden turns them around and they win some games. They get some interceptions, some fumble luck, some more kick returns for touchdown. And they end up with, I don't know, 10 wins. And <laughs> then ownership goes, Trubisky was the right decision. Yeah. More wins for Trubisky than to show. Everyone Watson. stays. Yeah, right, right. Everyone stays. Great We're not drafting a quarterback. <laughs> It semi-happened with the Vikings winning their playoff game in uh, New Orleans last year, by the way. Just, like, ownership was sort of ready to change everything out, and then they won. They're like, oh, well, I guess you all can stay. <laughs> right, right, right. It's great. That's uh, that's an, that's an off-season episode sometime for us is, like, what if you owned an NFL team? How would you do it? And the answer is not like a lot of these people do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, make sure that you follow Kaylin on Twitter. It is very important here. K-A-L-Y-N, K-A-H-L-E-R, Kaylin Kaler on Twitter. And go back and find the Patricia article. It's a gem, as you usually put out, Kaylin. Great to catch up with you. This was so fun. Thanks so much.